0: I'm Jamie, and I am so excited about the conversation we have today. Now, I wanna give you full disclosure. I recorded this conversation what feels like a lifetime ago. I think I recorded this conversation in January of this year, and we're just now getting it to you. But I really believe it's gonna be perfect timing. I really do believe that. So today we have a conversation where I sat down with Justin Giboney. If you're not familiar with Justin, you need to familiarize yourself with Justin because he is a great leader right now. He makes me think a lot. He is president and co-founder of the AND Campaign. The AND Campaign is a coalition of biblical Christians who are determined to engage the sociopolitical arena with the compassion and conviction of the gospel. That is why I love Justin. That is why I love the things that he says Because there is compassion, there is the gospel, and he is wanting to have great conversations. And the conversation that him and I had that you're going to hear today is a conversation that was a part of the If Gathering. This released as one of their breakouts at the If Gathering conference in February, and they were gracious enough to let me have it a few months later and let you guys, my listeners, hear it in case you were not a part of the conference. Let me keep it real with you guys, all right? All right. I was so nervous when I sat down to interview Justin. I mean, sweaty armpits nervous. Uh, And it's funny because I've interviewed a lot of people in my life. But when I find someone that I so deeply respect, the things that they're saying, the thoughts that they're putting out into the world, the way that they are leading people in this and type of way, this and campaign, that we can have both of these things, that we can have compassion and like biblical truth i i get nervous i really do and so i don't know if it'll come through but if it does i'm just going to give you a forewarning that it's that it's there that it's happening i also want to let you know you are a podcast listener because you're here and justin actually has a podcast if you want to check it out it's called the church politics podcast and you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts as well all right you guys we are moving towards the end of august how are you doing If you are a a parent or an auntie or a grandma who's sending kids to school, I I bet you're packing lunches in these first couple of weeks. Uh, It's funny because I haven't packed my kids' lunches in years. Um, I'm trying to build up people who are are self-sufficient. But I had an idea. I was like, I'm gonna start packing my kids' lunches this school year. So I'm hopeful that I can do this for a couple months and show them some love that way, at least help them out. But we start football season. My boys have their first game tomorrow night and football season and the fall is my favorite, favorite, favorite time of the year. And so I just hope that wherever you are in today, whatever's going on in your life, I hope that you can breathe deep and rest and know that you are deeply, deeply loved by the Father. And he wants good things for you. In the midst of trials and circumstances that feel hard, you are not alone and he has not left you. I hope wherever you are today that you can lean back and trust um, that God loves you dearly and is for you um, and wants good things for you. Friends, you're gonna love this conversation. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts about it. Find me on Instagram, I'm at Jamie Ivy, and let me know um, how much you loved this episode. And if we would love it if you would head on over to iTunes if you would leave us a rating or a review. That helps more people find the show. All right, here is my conversation with Justin Gibney of The And Campaign. I'm so excited to chat with you.
1: Glad to be here, Jamie. Thanks okay, for having
0: me. So tell everyone, you started The And Campaign. Tell us what that is and what, what that brings you to your daily life of what you do.
1: Yeah, so The AN Campaign is a Christian civic organization. Uh, what we're trying to do is raise civic literacy, so we do a lot of um, education but we're also trying to help Christians engage politics more faithfully. We're trying to help them reframe the issues and see the issues, not necessarily from an ideological or partisan standpoint, but more so from a, a Christian standpoint.
0: I love the work you guys are doing. It's been impactful to my own life. And I know a lot of friends here at IF, it's been impactful to them as well. So publicly, thank you.
1: Thank you. For what
0: you're doing. It's been really helpful. Um I would love to start this conversation with a little bit of framework. You know, one of the things that we're talking about is how do we have a how do we have a, a gospel-centered worldview um, mm. that changes how we view our ideologies, our politics, all kinds of things. So can you set the stage real quick? What would you say a gospel-centered worldview is?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing to understand is nobody has a neutral worldview. The world kind of presents itself sometimes as the neutral worldview, but everybody sees the world through a certain lens, through a certain framework. And so what we're telling Christians is. Sometimes we think we have kind of a biblical worldview, but it's actually a partisan or ideological worldview. Uh, So we're saying we tell Christians to look at the world through the framework of compassion and conviction. Mm. When we look at the gospel, that's what we see Jesus doing. If you go to Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, it says, speak the truth in love. It says the mature Christians, whatever you're going through, speak the truth in love. And we realize that as we engage each other and as we engage society, Mm -hmm. We should keep truth and love at the forefront of that. And that's kind of what we've been pushing, compassion and conviction, truth and love. That's how we should engage the issues and engage each other.
0: It's so good. Side note here, I never really kind of thought through this whole, I have a worldview already established for me conversation until the last couple of years. Yeah. And the reason I've seen my where my lens come from is when I've interacted with people who are different than me, whether that's different ethnicities, age, social demographics, yeah. able-bodied, disabled, like- You have conversations with people who are different. You're like, oh, we see the world differently, which I think that's an important place for people to start because you can come to the table thinking the way I see the world is how everyone sees the world.
1: Exactly. That's a great insight, Jamie. We need each other. Mm -hmm. We all have blind spots. And again, if you go to Ephesians 4, it talks about us working as a body, us being unified and uh, benefiting from each other's gifts. And so when we come from different contexts. Our context and the people who taught us may have been had the best of intentions, yeah. but there's still going to be something missing because God also uh, created other people with, in, within other contexts that we need to, to see a, to see reality uh, better and, and to understand the truth better
0: It's so good, and I think that 's where humility comes in, mm-hmm. which I feel like humility is this kind of lost thing right now in conversations about compassion and conviction and even politics and how we see the worldview, because a lot of people are coming in just kind of like, this is how it is. This is what, it, this is how we're going to see things. But a humble heart is someone who comes in and says, hey, let's all learn together. I think that's a missing thing in people's lives right now. Do you agree with that or not? Yeah.
1: I mean, everyone seems to be so strident on their, <laughs> on their, on their opinions. Yeah. Uh, and we want to, you know, you don't want to compromise the truth, but right. at the same time, we should understand that we're broken, yeah. that we don't see everything. And so we need to, a little more humble as we go into conversations because there could be things we're missing. I think there are things that we're all missing that other believers and even people outside of the church can, yeah. can sometimes help us see better. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's jump into this conversation real quick. We're talking about how do we have a gospel-centered worldview? So like, we all have these things that we're bringing to the table, but how do we look at how Jesus lived with compassion and conviction? Yeah. For Christians, as we're talking about this, what does that look like to engage in topics that I think so often get so one-sided. So this topic falls on the left. This topic falls on the right. You know what I mean? And so it can feel a little nerve wracking for people to go, wait, am I on the right or am I on the left? Mm -hmm. That stresses some people out, Justin. (laughs) So how do we be, this is a big question, the conversation we're going to be having this whole time, but what are some things that we need to strive for as believers to look for that compassion, conviction on all sides?
1: Yeah. The first thing we have to do is realize that we live in a world that has kind of separated love and truth, that okay. separated, you know, justice and, and moral order. Mm. And so while you see while in the gospel, you see those things being in sync. Right. If you you know you're not being loving, if you're not truthful, you're not being truthful if, if you if there's not a love right. uh, uh, connected with that. And so once we understand that that's a false dichotomy, that those things actually go together, then we can art- start to understand how things work. So when we look at issues, you know, I'm an attorney. I can ask you a question that has two wrong answers. And a lot of times for Christians. Ooh, that makes
0: me nervous a little bit. Yeah, but <laughs> well, you're, you're asking the question now. True. So yeah, yeah. You're and safe. I'm not an attorney. You're yeah. safe. Yeah.
1: But, but I say that to say the, the world asks us questions that have two wrong answers. Okay. And so what we have, and that happened to Jesus sometimes. They would ask him a question. He would reframe the yeah. question to get to the right answer. And I think on a lot of the tough issues, while we're trying to decide whether we're supposed to be on the left or the right, we really should be looking, okay, what does doctrine have to say about mm. this? That's the conviction side of it. And what does compassion have to say about that? And when those two things come together, I think you get closer to a more faithful and biblical response.
0: So it sounds like you're saying this takes some work.
1: Yeah, it takes thought. It takes prayer, it takes thought, it takes unity. Uh, a lot of those things, but most, the, the biggest thing I would say um, is reading the Bible. Oh, it's so like many just reading the Bible. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a big part of it. I mean, so, so many times we just don't know the Bible mm. well enough to see how Jesus did love people without lying to them or agreeing with everything they said. Yeah. Uh, too often today we say, well, I want to be loving. Then that means I need to throw all my convictions mm-hmm. out that I have to, you know, if a friend comes with me and they're struggling with identity or things like that, I have to just go along with it. And I think if you look at Jesus it says, no, you do have to love them. You do have to, you should listen because mm-hmm. listening is, is something that's very compassionate, mm. but you still have your convictions. And sometimes you can mislead people by just going along with any, you know, anything that they propose. Sometimes they need to know the truth.
0: Yeah. It makes me think there was a couple, season in our history in the past couple of years where I personally thought that Christians were being just kind of lazy with mm. uh, not reading the Bible, not actually thinking about things. And I remember I was interviewing um, Eugene Cho one time and he said, people ask him, are you a Republican or Democrat? And he says, on what issue? Right. And I remember when he said that, I thought that is the way of a follower of Jesus is that we're not going to put our stake down on either side because wow. it's almost like two wrong answers, mm-hmm. like you just said. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45 minute hip hop class. It gets me moving, it gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. Read our Bible. Like, I love that that was your number one thing to enter into that compassion. Um, and I think that the tension is where it gets hard for Christians. Yeah. There's a tension there of that truth and love. How do we stay in that tension faithfully? Like this is a yeah. long marathon. This is not just every four years we have to have this conversation. Right. right. How do we stay in that tension?
1: So much of the Christian life is about being in that tension. Mm. It's a tension. It's about making sure that we don't kind of cop out and, and just go to one side or the other. Um, And so I think one of the main things, again, prayer, being prayerful, but also having people who understand kind of a Christian framework that can hold you accountable to say, "Hey, I want to love people, but I want to love them to the extent where it's just sentimentality, where I'm not helping people or edifying them. I'm Mm -hmm. just kind of there and not helping them out. But then at the same time, when I tell people the truth, is it just harsh? Is there love there? Is there humility there? Is there understanding and the patience that God has with us? Yeah. Uh, So that's how I think we have to enter into it. And we we play this game where we say we'll bring up an issue and we'll say, okay, what what does what does God's love say about this issue? Mm. Right. Where's the compassion? at? And then we'll say, well, where's the doctrine? Where's the truth at? And those don't those are going to come together if you do it right. And that the other thing is, Jamie, that we're not always going to come up with the same answer. So the campaign talks about a framework. That means that Christians can actually disagree on some things, right? We're not always going to come to the same conclusion, and that's okay. But there is a framework and some boundaries where we should be somewhere in the same vicinity, even if we don't always agree.
0: You know, that's interesting because I think a lot of people think, as Christians, we should all come up with the same answer. So even you saying that, I feel like that can make a little pe- people uncomfortable because they would be like, well, where are you saying we should land, Justin? Like yeah. what? And how come, where is that freedom within that? It's in the middle, isn't it? Yeah. It's in the middle of, of the sides.
1: Some, sometimes it is, sometimes not. So let's take an issue. Let's take, you know, we should care about the poor. Yes. Right. And I think when we do, when we go over our policies and we support policies, the poor shouldn't just be the last people that we think about. Right. But we may take different routes towards helping the poor. That's good. And okay. so I, I always say that, you know, kind of. Our, while we're saying don't always be progressive, don't always be conservative ideologically, um, that doesn't mean be in the middle, mm-hmm. right? That just means think through it for yourself. And right. you may be to one side or the other, but you're thinking through it and not outsourcing your opinion to, folk in a, to, to a group in a certain party or a certain ideological tribe.
0: I love that. And you can take that with all of the issues yeah. and look that. What are some ways that you think people can kind of have this little measure of, am I walking in truth and love? Mm-hmm. Am I walking with compassion and conviction? Because- I think, like we said, this is probably a lot of the desires of our heart of people who are watching right now. I think also sometimes we're, we're living our lives. We've got kids and we've got jobs. And then all of our, once in a while we're like, oh, I need to think about this, this conversation. Mm-hmm. What are some kind of guidelines where we can say, am I a follower of Jesus who does want to walk in the way of Christ? Like, how can I measure that in my own life?
1: I mean, number one, you have to do it in community. Mm. So you want to have trusted people within your church or, you know, any any groups that you have, Christian groups that you have, that you just have conversations, that you're building relationships with people with different perspectives so that you know where you're coming from. That doesn't mean that your opinion always changes, but it means that you're more informed. It means you're more aware of what's Mm -hmm. going on. But then again... Knowing and understanding the Bible so that you don't go outside of that Uh, I have a lot of friends who are just getting into the conversation about justice They're excited about it and I always tell them go for it. This is very important. The Bible talks about justice all the time but you have to do that within orthodoxy. Everything that the world brings to us and says a, is a justice issue isn't necessarily a justice issue. So it has to go through that biblical scrutiny to make sure that it, it's within our value system. But there's so much good that you can do. You just have to make sure that you're, you're in the Bible, you're in the words, you're reading, and that you have groups of people that can hold you accountable and that you can build relationships with.
0: It's so good. I saw you guys recently tweeted. You said Christian orthodoxy and social justice aren't in conflict. Right. Uh, faith in a righteous and just God compels Christians to do justice in a society. Right. And that's what you're speaking to right here. That exactly. um, social justice, Christian orthodoxy, it's not, you don't have to pick one. Right. And I think in some areas people feel, or maybe they're, people are saying from their pulpit that you do have to pick one. What, mm-hmm. what is your response to that?
1: I think that's a, a false dilemma. I think that's just bad theology. Now I do want to be very clear again Everything the world says is justice. Sometimes that is distorted. So mm-hmm. I, I want to give voice to those people saying, well, they're saying this is justice and that's not biblical. Yeah. Sometimes that's the truth,
0: which is why you have to run it through,
1: which is right, you have yeah. to run it through biblical scrutiny. Yeah. But for us to just say, because I mean, the world has distorted everything. Yeah. It's distorted marriages It's distorted. We don't just walk away from something because there's a distorted it's version true. out yeah. there. What Christians should do is engage it more so that people in the church and outside of the church See what justice should really that's look like. That's so good. That's the best answer.
0: Because we don't walk away from marriage, that's right. even if it's been distorted. We say, let me show you a better view.
1: What isn't broken in this, in this world? We, we're here to, to heal it and to show people what, it, what God meant it to be, what he already said was good.
0: It's so good. You talk about doing things in community, mm-hmm. and I think that's very valuable. And I have seen that in my own personal life of doing things within a community, especially when people come to the table with different experiences. And I think that is a key point here, is to have conversations with people with different experiences. I know for me personally, things that have become um, stronger in my life with social justice issues about, about race or uh, the prison system or whatever, it's because I've actually had proximity to those things. Talk a little bit about like how that changes the way we view compassion um, and we engage in cultural things by getting close to the situation. Because don't you think that's an important aspect as well
1: yeah sometimes the only way you know that you have a misconception is actually engaging the real thing being around people who may know better and so we have to not only be willing to engage in those but look for opportunities to engage people with different experiences and different understandings again within a biblical framework not saying that we go along with what anyone tells us but we should want to know just as people who are always trying to learn always trying to be better disciples how do you evangelize the people that you don't know and don't understand, don't understand their context? Mm-hmm. That can make it difficult, yeah. um, and so I think it actually hurts our, it actually helps our ability to evangelize the more we have relationships with people in different spaces, we understand where they're coming from and can communicate to them be- with them better.
0: That also involves work. It also yes. involves getting out of your comfort zone, yep. which I think that is where a lot of people will just stop like mm-hmm. it's too hard, it's too much work, but the benefit on the other side of that. Is beautiful because you get to see this kind of third way of Jesus living, um, which is what we're all striving here for. So let's talk about Jesus for a minute. Jesus did what you're talking to us about perfectly, obviously, this compassion and conviction. How do we look at him and say, I want to be an imitator of God. I want to be an imitator of Jesus. How would that change the way that I engage in social issues In my community, in the country, in our world.
1: Yeah, I think we approach, I think we start to approach people with compassion first, right? I mean, if you look at the adulterous woman in in, in John, he says, go. He's releasing her from these people that are trying to hurt her. That's him kind of liberating her from the situation. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't end there. He also says, sin no more, because the other part of the truth was she would still be bound unless she had got rid of that internal bondage as well. So I think it's uh, important for us to understand there's external bondage, external Mm -hmm. oppression. There's internal, too. And so we need to always keep that in front of us because Jesus did that. The other thing I think when we approach people and, and one thing to understand is very few people approach Jesus with these perfect narratives and walked away with their narrative intact. Jesus challenged everyone. And so even within our parties, and our ideological tribes, we have to be willing to challenge that. So people so Christians who are uncomfortable in one party or another, I tell them no. It's good to be uncomfortable. You're feeling the tension that you Mm -hmm. should feel on either side. And that's not to say they're equal. That tension is good. Now, challenge it. Find what's right and be willing to say this is wrong or this is right. The worst thing that Christians can do in a party or ideological tribe is never challenge it and just accept everything that they're given to them. That's indoctrination. And a Christian can never afford to be indoctrinated, meaning that we just accept uh, what's been given to us uncritically. Mm. We should be critical thinkers. We should be faithful and we should lean on the gospel and the word of God uh, for our understanding.
0: So what does that actually look like? Because what you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Mm. And then you have to actually do something about that. Mm. So let's talk about like whatever, wherever side of the aisle that you may find yourself on. I love that you said you should be feeling tension. Yeah. And I think if you're not feeling tension, that might mean that you are maybe submitting to that political party versus Jesus. Would you agree? Right. Okay. So you feeling that tension, like what do we do with that tension? Because I think some reason we have been taught that you pick a side and then you're with that side with mm-hmm. everything.
1: Yeah. But that's not, that's not who Christians are supposed to be. We're, okay, we're tell the salt us what we're the supposed light. To be. So what we should be doing is we should be, we should be looking at the issues. I'd say this to people. If you're progressive or conservative on every single issue all the time, then that just means you're not thinking that's intellectually lazy. And we should be thinking a little harder than that. So one test that I give people, as as I say, can you come up with five to ten things that your side gets wrong? Not the other side. We're great at identifying what the other side gets wrong. Can you come up with five to ten things that your side gets wrong? And if you can't do that again, I would say that you might be indoctrinated because neither party, neither ideological tribe is just has just taken the Bible and applied it perfectly to their politics. Mm -hmm. I've been in politics for over a decade. Um, There's so much. You know, um, so many issues that we don't see, so many uh, interests that you don't know are going on, a lot of yeah. dirty money. There's uh-huh. a lot of dirty things going on behind. None of, none of the parties are clean enough for Christians to just go along with whatever they say. Wow. We need to be re- willing to challenge them because you, because we can't make politics better. We can't make the party better if we're just going along for the ride and just kind of uh, being. You, I heard it uh, said by David French before that we're just being... Uh, the attorney for the party rather than like a judge, right? Mm. So we're arguing for them. No matter what. No matter what they say instead of being an impartial judge and saying, no, this is what it's supposed to look like. You're more of the referee than just on one team or the other trying to find truth and trying to find justice.
0: Okay, so, but here's the thing, Justin. If you or I do the whole like five things each party gets wrong or I'm not going to be on one side, I feel like Christians have not shown up for each other in this way. And what then happens is Christians then look at another Christian and say, Oh, we don't see eye to eye on this. Then you're not even, then are you even following Jesus? Right. How, how do we be the church of Jesus who can work together on issues? Because you said on both sides, there is this kind of middle ground and there's a framework. I think that we've done an injustice to each other um, right. by holding people accountable to if you're not all the way here, all the way there. So, what does it look like in community? to value where people end up landing?
1: I think, first of all, not use the party as the standard, right, on either side. Use biblical principles as the standard. So, you keep okay. going back to
0: the Bible, Justin. Yeah, I, just I just love it. It's
1: hard to avoid. Um, but, yeah, are we, how do we care about the poor? How are we treating immigrants? How are we caring about the unborn? So, for instance, you know, someone like me who has voted Democrat most of my life, I need to be able to talk about the sanctity of life. If I can't do that because people in my party don't want to hear it, that's a problem. If someone's a Republican and you won't say anything about racial justice, you could have the same issue there. But if we have Christians on both sides who are willing not to just go along for the ride, but actually challenge their side when they're wrong, then you start to have a politics where where Christians are engaging in a better way, in a more constructive way.
0: It's so good. You know, I think for a long time, people have said in the church, like, we need to keep the church out of politics. Like, that's for the church to do. Which there's a lot of like value in our local churches should be changing our communities. End of story, right? Like if your church gets out, your community should feel it. Okay, mm-hmm. but then you're you're telling me, and what you're doing, and the work you're doing is to educate and organize Christians for civic and culture engagement. How important is it for us as followers of Jesus to bring our faith into all of these conversations? Because again, I think it's this lazy thinking of like, oh, that's for the church. Politics are different. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's where we've seen a lot of the culture wars a little bit in the past couple of years is because people, because Christians have said, I'm going to keep my faith over here and then my politics over here.
1: Politics touches every aspect of society. So during the pandemic we've seen it's, it's affected where the Christians can go to church sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if it impacts everything, that just means that it gives us a robust opportunity to love our neighbor through this, through this medium, through yeah. politics. Now it's not the only way, right? It may not even be the, the best way at all times, mm-hmm. but politics is one way uh, that I think that we can really pursue the great, the great commandment, yeah. right? To love your neighbor in a way that has a really big impact. Now, I want to give voice to people who are a little weary of politics. I agree. It's not a place where the, the church has been misused and abused within politics, right? We've gone to one side or the other too, too far. So we do have to be careful, but we don't stay away from places just because they're dark and ugly. Yeah. We go in those places and we shine a light, mm-hmm. and we need to shine a light into politics, and I think we can do that. But the, but the other thing that you said was that to separate your politics from your faith, that's just unfaithful. Yeah. There's nothing in a Christian's life that is separated from their faith. And when that's the case, that means that you're trying to do something in the darkness or it doesn't uh, jibe with your faith. And that's just not something we can do. We have to make sure it's a part of being a disciple. That's every part of our life.
0: That sounds like another kind of uh, barometer test of where are we finding our identity. If we're not willing to bring our faith into that aspect it would almost feel like, oh, maybe this is a red flag that I'm finding my identity actually in my politics versus in Jesus.
1: Oh, exactly. That, that's exactly what it is. I, I talk about the fact that, you know, people will contend for their party sometimes more than they'll contend for the faith. Or if you say something about their party, they, it's almost like you said something about their mother. Yeah. Or, and it's like, well, that means your identity is in the wrong place, mm. regardless of what party you're in. And we're not here to say there's a practical value to being a party. We're not saying don't be in a party. But regardless of what party you're in, somebody should be able to critique or even criticize your party Mm -hmm. without you getting offended. Because that's not you. You may be a part of it to some extent, but that's not you. And uh, we need to understand that a little more.
0: It's so good. Now, I I do want to address this for a minute, is that this kind of third way of living, where we're able to be in political parties and say, these are the five things that I can list right now that they're getting wrong. I think that's a healthy place. But I think living in this tension that we've spoken of already of this like truth and love and compassion and conviction and that tension, we should feel it. I also think it costs us something as Christians. What is that? How is that going to cost us?
1: It's the cost of discipleship. I mean, anytime you take a stand against popular opinion or the ways people want to go, they get upset, right? People don't necessarily, if if people are attached to a party or attached to a certain view of the world and it's wrong, they're going to get upset when you challenge it. But that's the Christian life. You can't avoid that in the Mm -hmm. Christian life, in the church and even outside of the church. Sometimes we have to be bold enough to say that something's wrong, to stand up and say, we need to do this differently. And I know we've been doing it a certain way or viewed it a certain way for so many years. It's time to change because that's not what God would have us do. We Mm -hmm. all have a responsibility to do that and hold each other accountable and the folks we're around.
0: Yeah. You talk about holding this compassion and conviction. Would you say what are the pitfalls of landing in one more than the other?
1: Yeah, what we tend to do, and uh, we tend to lean to one side or, or the other too much, and, and we really Is that have to based be based on our
0: worldview. Would you say? I
1: think it's based on worldview. It's about things around us. So sometimes how you're raised,
0: like, something like that. Okay. sometimes
1: you know, sometimes we we come from a place where we say, you know what. Our parents or people we around were too harsh.
0: Okay. And so all gonna, they did
1: was talk about the truth and morality. Uh-huh. So I'm going to go all the way to the left <laughs> right. and I'm only going to talk about love. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to talk about compassion, but I'm going to drop my convictions. Right. That's very dangerous mm-hmm. because at that point you have no solid ground to stand on. Right. Love, a biblical love has boundaries. It has, it's, yeah. it has form to mm-hmm. it, but a love that has no truth, a love that doesn't, isn't attached to biblical principles is just formless. And so someone else can take it and make it anything that they say it yeah. is, and you just go along yeah. with it. Yeah. So we have to be very vigilant about not emphasizing, overemphasizing love or overemphasizing truth to where we exclude one or the other. Again, in Jesus, they come together mm-hmm. so beautifully that that's why who we are as Christians and our Christian worldview is much more than progressivism or conservatives, conservatism could ever be, because it has that combination in a way that only God could put together. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you guys are doing such a great job of pushing people into having um, these hard conversations and thinking deeply about things that we believe matter. You're doing a great job. I would love to just, I'm kind of curious, but I think it would tell a lot about even our culture right now. What is one of your greatest pushbacks to the work that you're doing?
1: I think the—I think one of the biggest pushbacks we get, get from people is to say that we're creating a false equivalency, that we're saying that both sides are the same or we're just trying to find this squishy middle where we don't take a side. And I think that's to completely miss what we're doing. Okay, We're not saying that both sides are the same on any given issue. But one of the ways that I put it is you can think one side is better than the other. But if I have green in my left, <laughs> my left foot and my right foot, I'm going to have to treat both of them whether one is worse at the yeah. time or not. Yeah. I have to treat both of them. So we have to talk about both of those. And again, it's not about coming in the middle, but it's about thinking about it for yourself. And the sad thing is, We've been so kind of indoctrinated that most of us can't think about politics outside of Democrat and Republican, conservative and progressive. But there's so many other we have to have the moral imagination to see there's so many other ways to think about it and approach an issue. If we confine ourselves to those two things, we're missing possibly the best way to get things done.
0: OK, you've been in politics for 10 years. Is this you said a lot of people have struggle seeing it. Not just one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Is this a new phenomenon? Like, do you think this is in the past couple of years or is this something you've seen throughout the, your whole time?
1: We've become more partisan. I yeah. think people have become more, more partisan to where, you know, it's good versus evil. Right. And so this party is if this party is good, the other one has to always be evil and always be mm-hmm. wrong. But I can show you issues where both sides are wrong. So some people say, hey, you've got to choose a side and you're not being practical. You're not being realistic. What, what side do you choose when they're both getting mm. something wrong? Yeah. What side do you choose when both sides, neither side is taking care of the poor, neither side is taking care of the unborn? Mm. Should we just take a side because right. that's what we're supposed to do? No, you don't take a side, you do what's right. Yeah. And so that's what we talk about. It's about taking the right position, not picking a side. I
0: love that. I want to talk to the women uh, who are watching this, who are leaders in their churches, which, side note, everyone's a leader, you guys. That's my little pet peeve. I think everyone's a leader, wherever they are. But they're watching and they've had a little bit of pushback in their communities because we've seen in the last couple of years, uh, you and I both know that racial injustice has been a part of our country since it began, but there's a spotlight that was put on it since 2020 um, in the pandemic. It had this great spotlight, which I believe has been a great thing uh, for our country. Mm -hmm. But a lot of church leaders have taken a lot of pushback of having conversations about racial issues. And they are put in this really weird predicament of what do I do? And so I'd love for you to encourage the women in their churches, these women who are saying, we see this as a gospel issue. We see this as we're reading the Bible, and this is where we're getting it. It's not a political issue. This is a Jesus issue for our people. Can you just encourage them a little bit to kind of like put some wind in their sails to keep going? Because it can be really hard work when people are saying we need to keep that. We need to not talk about that when you talk about the gospel. Right. You know that conversation.
1: First of all, God bless you. Mm-hmm. Because what you're doing is you're carrying on the work that uh, so- Sojourner Truth was doing. You're carrying on the work that Dorothy Day was doing. Mm-hmm. You're carrying on the work of when you look at the prophets, the prophets were talking about yeah. justice. Yeah. So I don't know how you can avoid, you know, you can't avoid seeing justice right. in those words. Keep going. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. If you look at what happened during the civil rights movement, I mean, these people went through a lot. And that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that motivates me. I mean, these were people who were getting dog sicked on them and things like that. We can go through some of these things and it's not easy, but there is precedent for it. Yeah. Christians have been doing it for a long time, whether it's abolitionist yeah. or whatever. You're doing the right thing. You're not
0: the first to show up and have right. these hard conversations. Keep it
1: biblical, yeah. right? Be able to be, Don't just be willing to stand up to the church. Be willing to stand up to secular society who may get justice wrong, too. Yeah. But keep going because you're doing the work that you're here to do. And eventually people will see it but you're you're being faithful and that's the that's the most you can ask for whether other people see it right now or not mm-hmm. it takes time and be patient with people because you didn't always get it either yeah. so keep in mind that some some people's just going to take them some time yeah
0: i do love that you pointed out that i mean the prophets were speaking about this and God was telling the people in the Old Testament, like, here's why you're being punished, because you're not looking after the least of these. Yeah. And so it is this biblical precedent that we can stand on and believe in and say, this is just a 2020 cultural thing yeah. that we're trying to all of a sudden talk about social justice issues. This is like God's been dealing with his people with this since the beginning of time.
1: I mean, if you look in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 59. God looks down, at Isaiah says, and he's upset because nobody's doing justice. Mm-hmm. Nobody's caring about righteousness. And what you see in that scripture is God had an expectation that his people would do it. And so he says, I can't believe y'all aren't doing mm. it. And since you're not doing it, I'm going to do it myself. But it tells us that there's an expectation that Christians wouldn't be able to live amongst immorality or injustice and just be okay. Yeah. That God would see us, if we did that, as being unfaithful. Yeah. Uh, and so we're supposed to engage. We're supposed to disrupt something that's not right. Yeah.
0: You know, God says that uh, people will know that we're his followers by the way we love mm-hmm. um, each other. And I think that we've seen in the last couple of years a lot of unloving towards each other. And I mean Christians to Christians. You know, God's like, people don't know you're my followers by the way you treat your family, your people. And so I have two questions for you about that. Number one is, how have you seen us doing poorly? Like, what is your general overlook of how are Christians walking out with loving each other? And then I would love for you to tell me, how are we just really kind of doing this well right now?
1: Yeah. I would, I would say, you know, it hurts me to see such a lack of patience with each mm. other. You know, we get in a situation where we learn something new or we've, we, ha- we have an idea in our head. And if another Christian doesn't get it automatically, we're done. Um, and then I also see us kind of like canceling each other and we don't want to talk to one another. You voted for this person. I can't talk to you. Jesus sat with, with tax collectors. And if you understand what, who those people were at that time, who publicans were at that time, it's somebody that nobody in their community wanted to be around because they were exploiting the people. And Jesus sat with them. That means that you can sit with your brothers or sister who you disagree with and have a conversation. And we just need to be more willing to do that, more humble and more charitable. Yeah. Um, but the great ways that I see it, I see Christians just like you named brothers and sisters who have called on to the importance of justice, want to do it in an orthodox way, want to do it in a biblical way and are really getting that message out there. There's so many great ministries um, that are just doing a really good job. You have you know, people like Lisa Fields with Jude 3. We talked about Esau Macaulay. That's what really encourages me. People who are writing books, people who are going who are having Bible studies, people who are just reaching out to others to say, "No, God loves the truth, God loves justice, and all this stuff comes together. So God is raising up some awesome disciples, and uh, they're really having an impact.
0: And you know, like you said earlier, like this is the end, we know the end as followers of Jesus. Like you know like God is going to redeem His people, and he's going to do this, but He has put us here for this time. For this purpose, right. to do the work that is put before us, and I, like you, am really encouraged by women in their, you know, local communities doing like if leads and if tables, and really gathering their people to say, "Hey, let's have hard conversations. Let's enter into spaces that are difficult." I was telling you before we started that um, Jenny Allen and I, um, years ago, were with Latasha Morrison in one right. of her very first um, groups before she even had Be the Bridge. Like right. this was before it even started. And those conversations were challenging for me as a woman, as a white evangelical woman who grew up in the South, grew up Southern Baptist. I didn't have the lens that the other women in that group brought to the table. And my life was changed because of that interaction. And I think that's, too, something that is, like we have said earlier in this conversation, that it takes work to get out and find people who are different than you. I want to ask you this as we um, move here. This gospel center worldview that we've talked about, this seeing things through the lens of Christian orthodoxy, this this idea of holding the scriptures to be true, that whatever social justice issue, it has to first, we have to be able to stand on the truth, right? Amen. Yeah. This is going to make us have to lay down some things. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to, we already talked about it's going to cost us, but I think of like, maybe I need to lay down this ideology that I am this person, like this is who I am. What are some things that we're going to have to lay down as followers of Jesus to pursue this this way of living?
1: I think a lot of times we've gone about politics through what I call the politics of Christian self-interest. So we've made sure that we have all these tight and perfect kind of protections for ourselves. And sometimes we put others and made them secondary. Mm. I think one of the main things we have to do is not be so worried about ourselves but make sure that our politics is, is worried about others and looking out for others too. And it's not that, that we is, haven't that is done counter,
0: that. But. That is counter what yeah. politics tell us to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just think when we see God, he's going to say, well done, not because you did everything you could do to protect yourself, but well done because you did everything you could do to protect your neighbor. Even the neighbor that you disagreed with, even the neighbor who you thought that their ideology was dangerous, you still loved them and reached out for them and protected them with your vote, with your voice and, and all that other stuff.
0: You mean, Justin, I need to go into the voting booth and I need to carry my life around not thinking of myself as the number one person?
1: You can't just be thinking about <laughs> yourself. And that doesn't mean you can't think about yourself at all. But if we're going to stay true to the Christian But it ethics, is the way of Jesus. It's the, the way of Jesus is to put those that are in need and put those that need you the most at the forefront of, of what you're doing. And I think, I think Christians can do that, but we have to think about it a little bit differently. And I don't think that leads us to think... Republicans are always right or Democrats are always right, but just to think through it in a different way, a more Christ-like way.
0: Do you think that we're doing, like, that churches are discipling people to think this way?
1: Some are. Uh, For sure. We're we're not throwing the baby out the backboard, but I mean,
0: as a whole, as, like, North American. We could
1: do better. (laughs) You know, we could do better, you know. Pastors and churches have so much on their table. You know, I, I hate to just. this. is to the just, hardest time to be a, very, my they husband's a, a pastor. Yeah, they, they have a lot going on. But I think folks are catching on to it. They're trying to do their best. I think we have to understand and be very, you know, sometimes we're not gracious enough to our pastors. Pastors aren't experts on every issue. So, you know, sometimes they may explain it not the perfect way that you want them to explain it. Let's be gracious with them, too. And sometimes pastors can be helped by some of the people who do kind of focus on these issues a little more. And that can help them articulate in ways that that help us engage better.
0: Maybe I should word it like this. I feel like right now the thing that pastors and churches and leaders are up against is that the people in their churches are not being discipled by them as much. And it's not their That's not their fault. It's because we have 24-7 media coverage, yeah. and so we're being discipled by um, whatever news channel we subscribe yeah. to, whoever we follow on Twitter, whatever podcast we're listening to. We're taking in information 24-7, so people are being discipled.
1: Yeah, for sure. I didn't take you saying that.
0: Dude. I know. I just want to make sure. I love the <laughs> pastors. I'm a, I'm a local church yeah, girl. I know you do. Um, and so I think that's something that we have to think about, too, mm. for our own self is like, man, what am I discipled by? Like, what am I taking in? Because that whole, like, lay down your life and think about others, that's not a lot of the rhetoric that anyone is saying.
1: Right. You have to be, you have to be, and this is such a good point, you have to be very careful with what you're taking in. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell people, and this is Justice talking, turn off cable news. It's there for you to just keep watching. It's not helpful. And it disciples a lot of people. And then even in your social media feed, make sure you're getting different perspectives. It's so easy just to go along with the information bias and follow people who just say what you wanted to already hear. Again, like we've been talking about, sometimes you need to listen to people who are challenging you. Yes. So that's one thing that I try to do is make sure that I have differing voices that I'm, I'm listening to, I'm reading different, uh, from different places, and folks who are intellectually honest, not folks who are just beating up on other people. What's if somebody's just- always beating up on the other side, you probably should listen to them less.
0: J- thank you. Justin, say it a little louder for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to someone that's always yeah. beating up people, that is not helpful. No. That is not what we're doing here. Certainly we,
1: not Christ-like.
0: Thank you, thank you. Um, this conversation is so important, and I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing and Anne Campaign's doing. Um, people are—they're just—they're—they're they're, they're yearning for this conversation, and I think that is a good thing. And if Gathering has done such a great job of fostering this conversation over the last couple of years, and so extremely grateful for what you're doing and thank you thank you so much for your words today of pointing us to the way of Jesus and standing on the truth no matter what thank Thank you you so much thank you so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast we are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you every encouragement we get to give you and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus if you're loving this show we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're going to want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is a production of Ivy Media Podcast. Executive producer, Jamie Ivy. The show is produced by Lindsay Sweeney and edited by Angie Elkins. Art by Jen Jett Barrett. Original music by Matt Graham. And I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend.